Welcome back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is not Grant. This is Erica Van Brimmer, the Weaker Vessel. And tonight I am joined with Chris Poots from our father podcast, brother podcast, the Rebel Podcast. What are you, Chris? I think all I think all of those work. Okay. I think I think it would be, you should refer I think the father podcast sounds a little bit pretentious. <laughs> So let's go with like brother podcast. That okay. Works. Okay. So thanks for coming on. We're doing our host crossover me. event right now. And I'm super stoked to talk about purity culture with you. This is going to be super fun and awkward. <laughs> well, we, we, we are the awkward ones. That's what uh, we did. We've determined this throughout. It's like you and me are the ones that are always a little bit awkward with the other, <laughs> with the other people. Nate, uh, Nate and Grant, their podcast went so super smooth. It was so funny. charming and winsome. <laughs> like so easy, it comes on naturally. We have notes. Like I've got like cords attached to other things just to figure out what we're <laughs> going to talk about. I had to Google what the conversation was about. And I, was like, <laughs> so, I, I also think it's neat that we have we have. Uh, sorry, I'll just keep talking because I like to hear my own voice. <laughs> I thought it was really ni- nice of you guys, like, you know, to have the weaker vessel on your podcast for once, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, because there's Erica and then me, the weaker vessel of the Rebel podcast, <laughs> which is pretty good, I thought, to be on there. So thank you for having me. I appreciate being invited. Listen, if we're both the weaker vessel, the Bible says that God's strength will, like, you know, he'll just come into this podcast and make it the best podcast of all of the host crossover <laughs> podcast so this is going to be the best one then right <laughs> this will be the best one this is batting cleanup for the for the <laughs> podcast crossover series which will be great oh this is so, going to be awesome <laughs> it's going to be amazing so awesome. how have you been chris i can i cannot complain to be honest with you i uh I'm, I'm doing good we it's been a busy bit of time for us i think i feel like everybody in the network's feeling busy right now mm-hmm. um nate's been away in iraq so we're just uh, he's just getting back so we hope to get back on a better recording schedule now that the summer is over it's hard he has three the guy has three little kids right so and then i'm the one that never has any time because i work full time so right um, other than that uh, it's pretty good can't complain church is going well how about you guys yeah it's going pretty good over here too we just got back from a fun weekend with the kids we did the pumpkin patch thing and went off to salem so all the christians that hate halloween are going to turn us off now <laughs> Where do you where, where do you guys land on Halloween? Um, we're posting it. Redeem it. <laughs> I love it. That's exactly how I feel too. I'm just like I. We have a. There's there's some people. It's it's a divisive issue sometimes. Like in a, almost a fun way, but like um, we get people who are like, "You're worshiping the devil if you hand out candy on Halloween," and I'm like, "What better opportunity to meet your neighbors than to have them come to your door and you can feed them." Right? So, and I'm just like, if you know anything about me, I would do that all the time. Why would I not do that on Halloween? <laughs> It'd be so. weird for you just to have nobody come to your door and just give them food. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, um, that, oh, that's so good. I should probably do that more often, I think. <laughs> well, maybe you shouldn't because men giving out candy to little kids just randomly doesn't typically go well. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Everybody who listens to your podcast but doesn't listen to the Rebels is now like, he wasn't kidding when he said he was awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's see how much trouble we can get into with this episode. I'm I'm sure it's coming. (laughs) If it's not going to be the Christians that hate Halloween, it's just going to be like your Canadian police knocking on your door. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I'm already on a watch list. It's fine. All right. Well, if this hasn't been awkward enough for everyone already, tonight we're going to talk about purity. (laughs) What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Uh, We kissed normalcy goodbye. So speaking of Joshua Harris, that's kind of where this idea came from. Did you ever read Joshua Harris's book? I'll tell you a story about Joshua Harris's book. I, I I didn't grow up in the church. Okay. So I became a Christian like when I was like 19 years old. Um, actually, I might have been 18 to be honest. With you. It's been so long now. Um, and that was the like, you know, when you first become a Christian, everybody wants to give you the the book that's mm-hmm. going to do the job for you, and none of them ever ever are ever the Bible. They're right. always like these other books. You got well, that was time the second that. book. <laughs> the first book I got was Left Behind. Shocking. <laughs> um, I'm not even kidding. I have them all, uh, but I also. <laughs> got i kissed dating goodbye um this book and i was like you know i'm a i'm an 18 year old high school student like and so i read this book and i remember being like oh my word what have i committed to (laughs) (laughs) this is not what i signed up for yeah so then i read that i was like this is not cool um (laughs) but i don't really know anything better so i took some of the principles to to heart and i'm like when i say that i don't mean like the whole book's crap or anything like that there's tons of good pieces of wisdom in it. Um, but I remember I, like years later after I was married, I went to another church uh, for a bit of time and they had like their young adults were all reading that book. Mm-hmm. And like, there was like, there was like a, they basically had a thing in their, in their church where you couldn't date a girl. Um, like even what we're doing would be frowned upon because we're talking oh my um, gosh. without, without us declaring our intentions for each other. Mm. So like, if you were going to ask a girl out, you'd have to be like, um, listen, um, we'll say Lisa is the girl's name. Listen, Lisa, I would like to have coffee with you. And my intentions are to find out if it we're compatible to start dating so that we may one day get married. And that was like a thing they had to do. They had to like straight oh up declare gosh. their intentions right at the start. And I remember like a friend of mine who was younger, a little bit younger, but was in this youth group was just like, that's weird. I just want to know if I like talking to the person. And I remember having to be like going against what the church is teaching, being like, you're allowed to just talk to them and find out if you can be friends. Like don't, just because you speak to them doesn't mean you want to have like relations with them. So yeah, it was <laughs> have relations. Funny. I love how this is getting off on the right foot all all right from the beginning here. So funny story about the weird purity culture thing. Grant and I were newlyweds and we went back to his home church like a month or two after we were married. And I don't even know why we did this, but we sat in on a youth group Wednesday night service. I think just because Grant like knew some people there or whatever. So we sat at the back of the auditorium and Grant put his arm around me. Like oh we were not being sleazy or anything. We were newlyweds. <laughs> Just put his arm around his new wife, and legit, we had a youth leader come up to us and, like, scold us and ask Grant to remove his arm off of his wife because Grant was causing other people to stumble. And I thought, like, this is weird. Well, see, I can see Grant causing other people to stumble just because he's a ruggedly <laughs> handsome dude, but, like, not because he's got his arm around a girl. 
That's funny. Yeah, his wife. His wife, nonetheless. Yeah. So clearly, purity culture had some like weird things going on, right? Like both of us can be honest about that. Absolutely. But there were a lot of really good principles too. Like there were a lot of helpful things. I think the thing that I have seen a lot in social media after the Joshua Harris debacle, and there have been other things too, other than just Joshua Harris. We always pick on Joshua Harris, but there have been plenty other conversations outside of Joshua Harris. Uh, is just like how the purity culture has left so many people wounded. And Joshua Harris even apologized for hurting people with his book. And basically, I think what people have said is just that any type of abstinence or any type of sexual purity is outdated and we should just do away with it because that type of sexual ethic, biblical sexuality, only harms people. And we would both reject that, though, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In in my life, like, I obviously we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I'm, I'm most thankful for is that that was not one way that I that I sinned before I was married. Right. Because it's it's just it's such a perfect thing when you get to your wedding night and it's i feel awkward talking about this but you get to your wedding night and <laughs> we told you it's gonna be awkward moment, everyone <laughs> you know I mean? so i i think i think there's there's great lessons to be learned in the purity culture it shouldn't be something we completely throw away um but what i think we should like be doing away with is the unbiblical aspects like the rules almost that we've put into place mm-hmm. whereas like i think the guidelines are to be pure but, like, you can talk to girls. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Um, <laughs> okay. Like, that's okay. So, so, so this is, like, this is like kind of where my train of thought was, was kind of going when I was like, what should we talk about? What would be helpful or whatever? And I thought about the purity culture thing because I've kind of wanted to talk about it for a while now because I've seen, like, a lot of, like, the, is it Rachel Den Hollander? Is that how you say her name? or? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, tons of people like that have been talking about this this topic and how it basically hurts women. How the the purity culture thing of like what was it the nineties and two thousands, early two thousands maybe, like has really hurt Christianity. And I kind of agree with them a little bit, but mm. not. I like I wouldn't go to the same place that they're trying to go with it because I think that sexual purity is important, but the way that the church steered the ship was off. And, like, we always say, so goes the church, so goes the culture. But the eschatology of purity culture was wrong. And because purity culture had a wrong or a faulty eschatology, it led to really weird things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm tracking with you. (laughs) Okay. So if, if that's the case, what I'm saying is, like, this idea where we taught kids that, like, the idea of staying pure was so that you could get married someday. And when you get married, then you'll be happy and then you can have sex and your world will be like perfect. But that is wrong fundamentally because the idea of purity wasn't so that you could find like a husband or a wife. The idea of purity was that you would be set apart and holy for God. Like that in and of itself was the goal or should have been the goal of purity. But because we steered children towards like a faulty end, it led this whole what seemed like this whole group of generate generation of kids to being unhappy in their marriages, being unfulfilled in so many different ways, almost cause like they were lied to, they were lied, lied to that if they were just pure, then everything would be great. Yeah. I, th- I think you're, I think you're spot on with that. Um, it creates a, like a false, 
um, like almost a, a false idol in terms of, of what purity is supposed to be. We're supposed to be pure from all corruption, not just sexual corruption, right. all corruption. Um, and so when we, when we make it only about that thing, um, about that issue, when you get to the point where you, you no longer have to abstain from something, mm-hmm. you get to the point where all of a sudden you're now you're like, oh, well, that's, that was such a big thing. And now that's been removed. But all the feeling, all the, all the years of, training you have doesn't just disappear the moment you get married right. like it, it takes like it takes time to when when that's become uh when that's become the, the one thing you're trying to to uh like avoid it falls away when all of a sudden you become able to have real intimacy with your spouse i, th- I think it's uh it also it also creates a culture of a, re- a really negative consequence when people do sin mm-hmm. and i i want to make sure nobody hears what I'm not saying in terms of like me saying, well, it's not that big of a deal if you fall in this way. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying, there's still forgiveness and there's still redemption and there's still, there's still purity if you've struggled in this area. You know what I mean? If you, if you've fallen on, if you're a teenage girl, if you're a teenage boy who has had an issue in this area, that isn't the end of the world for you. That isn't your entire life over because you've, not lived up to a guideline that the like of purity that Joshua Harris has let out, and I'm just using him as an example, but that we've that we've bought into. Mm-hmm. I think it I think it creates a almost like a culture of shame, which we would both advocate. Like, absolutely, do I want people to abstain until they're married? Hundred percent, I do. Right. But I want them to abstain from that because the Bible tells me that that's what is best for them. Right. Whereas I I don't want them to abstain because that's going to make them make anything better when they get married. That makes Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and, and what makes us pure isn't not having sex. What sets us apart and makes us holy is Jesus Christ. So Absolutely. You, so if, if that's the case, then your abstinence doesn't make you any more holy. You know what I'm trying to say? Like that, that in and <laughs> yeah. of itself is not the good that we're trying to like attain or preserve or whatever. Yeah, I was going to say, that's exactly right. The goal is Christ-likeness. It's not, it's not the the method how we get there right so mm-hmm. um remaining pure is a is a is a methodology right. it's not it's not the end game the end game is to be like jesus and so remaining pure is part of that because he remained pure but we also do that by controlling our temper being self-controlled right. being um poor in spirit being meek being humble all of those things it's a group message i don't know man <laughs> i don't know what i'm gonna do here <laughs> No, no worries. All of all of those things contribute to us being like Christ. Purity is just like when we use the word purity in terms of like like sexual purity. That's just one of those facets that make us like Christ, right? Right. Um, so I think it's I think it's it's an important one, but it's not the end all be end all of of the faith. It's not like you can be an arrogant, unself controlled thief, murderer, angry. But you didn't have sex, so you're gold. So you're good. That's not the case. (laughs) Obviously not. Well, it's like funny because, not funny, like haha funny, but like strange to me how many weird things came out of this. Um, I guess just purity culture that was steered in the wrong direction. Like it could have been a great thing, but it just took a weird turn. And Mm. you look at even celebrities that like kind of participated in it, like the Miley Cyrus, the Jonas Brothers. Do you remember when all of them had like their little purity rings? And then you look at them now yes. and you're like, yeah, that didn't stick. Like, no, we went of course not. way off the track somehow. I just think like, how does that happen? 
like it's almost as though they believe some type of Gnostic ideology where if you could like suppress the body, then you could become like more enlightened. And then when the Gnosticism that they believe didn't really give them what they wanted, well, screw this. I'm going to, you know, have at, or I'm going to do whatever I want to (laughs) do. And, and that's exactly what they did. Look at Miley Cyrus. Like she is certainly not the poster child for purity culture. She's uh, a raging feminist who is, baking up birthday cakes to kill babies with. I mean, but then you think about what would the opposite of purity culture be? It would be feminism. It would be women's liberation. Yeah, it'd be the hookup culture, right? Right. And that's kind of like how, was it second wave feminism when they discovered the pill and women could be, uh, I'm trying to think of a nice word to call them, women of ill ill repute. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> and that's like essentially what what happens if you are buying into this idea that your purity comes from somewhere outside of Christ, then you have to go the opposite direction, which is feminism, which is women's liberation or I don't know what we say for men. Men would be like irresponsibility. They can live whatever yeah. life they want and not have to deal with the consequences. Things like abortion um become crucial to that way of life. Hello, our culture. Like, that's why yeah, exactly. we need abortion. If something goes too far, the opposite always rises up too, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that's why we have exactly, you, you nailed it on the head when you said, like, this is where we are as a culture. Because if purity's on one side, well, what's the other side? You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. and like, there is no neutral, right? So if we reject what God's standard of purity is and what and what the Bible tells us purity is, well, we're going to go and do the complete opposite because that's what that's what we do as humans. You know what I mean? So um, when our sin nature is allowed to flourish, we're going to do all the things that are opposing to God, even if we don't recognize that's why we're doing it, that's what we're doing. And you get exactly. I, I love the fact you brought up all the celebrities where it's just like, <laughs> you know, there was a time where that was the trendy thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm abstaining. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Well, that ship sailed when, you know, one of them's like, nah, that just doesn't it's give me cool any fulfillment. Anymore. So it's not cool. Exactly. It's not hip anymore. Mm-hmm. So now what's hip is to be completely liberal and completely free to do whatever you want. And to be a woman of ill repute. <laughs> yes. I, I, I was trying to think of how you worded it. I think so, uh, a woman of ill repute. I think men of ill repute too. Like yes. it's not just, it's not just women. Um, doesn't but like, have quite the same ring to it though. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, <laughs> Men of ill repute, miss. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Gentlemen of ill ill repute. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's funny, but yeah, we get we get into a situation where because we're not following the word of God, we we fall into a ditch that just leads to destruction, which is that culture, which is our culture of death, right? So Mm -hmm. we end up well. If we can't say that the sexual promiscuity is the problem, so we had to create we had to create an ideology that allows us to have that and still partake in all the things that we want which is Mm -hmm. why i think you've seen abortion so much further along 10 years even than even than 10 years ago oh yeah even than 15 years ago Mm -hmm. because the the culture of like the sexual freedoms the the sexual Mm -hmm. revolution that we're undergoing right now is so rampant but nobody wants to put a plug on that Mm -hmm. because one that makes us feel good temporarily two nobody wants to start limiting 
anyone's sexual freedoms because, you know, that was what your mom and dad did and, right. and things like that back in the 50s. And, and we saw, we're exactly, we're all way, I, I like that you mentioned the, the uh, Gnosticism. We're all way more enlightened now, right? So we're, we're so much farther along in our, in our mind and our thought process that we can't put a plug on all of those things. So what do we do is, well, we, we find a way to, to solve the, Problem air quotes. You can't see that probably guys that are listening. Uh, but the air, the problem of sexual promiscuity, which is you might get pregnant. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, and then so instead of like, <laughs> instead of like, you know, just not doing the thing that would cause that, we fit, we found a way to, to make a problem that we don't like go away. And that's so our culture, right? So, right. um, we identify a problem and rather than just stop doing the thing that causes the problem, we find a solution to the problem that just creates another problem, but that's, that's okay. Right. So mm. um, we're the humans are the only thing in, in creation that needs a helmet, like that we've created all these things that we need to do that. You know what? We're not going to stop doing these things. We're just going to wear a helmet for it. Try and make it a little um, safer. <laughs> to make it safer as we do all these stupid things. And like most of the things we wear helmets for, it's fine. But I mean, only people would ever think, Let's bang our heads into each other. Let's do this. Right. And then just create a thing to protect us while we're doing it. Whereas like, and this is just another version of that where we're just like, oh, well, instead of, we don't want to have protected sex. We don't want to just abstain from sex. So we're going to, we're going to find a way to eliminate the, the fallout from that. Yeah. So eliminate the consequence. Do you think the church's easy believism has kind of lent a hand to this problem as well we're, we are not saved unto anything we don't have any good works that god has prepared for us to walk in it's just kind of like believe in jesus and live your life and do what you want and like that was kind of the purity culture atmosphere at least when i was in high school in my youth group and stuff it was like you're a christian kid you believe in jesus you said the prayer whatever like just don't have sex and you're good it was never like a call to to really do anything maybe like help the old lady cross the street that would be a good thing for you to do maybe nursery once a week you know yeah yeah it's, it's almost like the christian the christian teenage checklist was um be, like say the sinner's prayer so now you're yeah. in um then don't smoke don't drink don't fight don't have sex right. and then attend church as long as you did those five things there's probably six and seven but as long as you did those things everything was fine and all that is is behavioral modification, yeah. right? Like that's none of that is growing your in your spiritual, like in your walk, grow closer to Jesus, be more like Jesus. All that was is behavior modification. I think I think the North American church, and I, and I hate like um, labeling every church in a, in a right, way yeah. like this, but I mean, um, modern evangelicalism is very good at behavior modification. We are very very good at. Nobody will know that I'm a sinner because I never, I will never talk about my sin. Nobody knows what I struggle with because Sunday morning, I look amazing. You know what right. I mean? Like I am dressed good. My hands are up during worship. You know, I've done all the things. I serve my once a once a month in the nursery mm-hmm. or worship or whatnot, and nobody from the outward can see anything that's wrong with me. We've we've gotten very good at that, and we've gotten very very bad at confessing our sins to each other, mm. which includes sexual sin. Even even to the point where our young people don't even know how to do that. You know what right. I mean? So like, obviously we're we're both in churches, so we both know people who are 
of a younger age than us. And we know, we've been there. We know what it's like to be a teenager or to be early twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know the thoughts and we know what they, what they struggle with and what they deal with because either we went through those same things or we know people who were friends of ours that went through those mm-hmm. same things. But like nobody knows how to talk to those people anymore. We don't know how to speak into that mm-hmm. at all. Um, because really our, I think our generation is the first one where we just, it was just easier for us to just clam up and not say anything than it was to like actually, than it was to actually work through these things, right? So rather than, uh, try to, try to like overcome these sins, it's just easier to bury them. I actually, I remember, I don't remember if this was on our podcast when we first had you guys on or it was on one of the, uh, uh, the Awaken Reformation podcasts, but I remember you saying it and it stuck with me, um, because it's, it's not even really about me, but it's like, it stuck with, with me when you said, I'm not discipling you unless you folded my husband's laundry, um, or something like that, or his underwear, or something like that. But it was some, some variation of that. But the implication was that, unless, is, I'm not, you're not in my life and I'm not in your life truly unless you're in the trenches with me. Mm-hmm. And so like, unless you're doing unless we're doing life together. And I think, I think the purity culture, it, the purity culture taught us how to behave or taught us how they thought we should behave in these, in this area, but it wasn't, it never went past that surface level right. of, well, what's the heart issue? Cause like if we look into the Beatitudes, Jesus, Jesus said, if you even look at a woman in a lustful way, you've already committed the sin. Right. It doesn't matter. The action there is secondary. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just the fruit of the actual sin in your heart. I think the purity culture is good at preventing the action, but it's not good at actually getting to the heart of the issue, which is, well, why are you lusting after this woman? Mm-hmm. What, what sin is in your heart that's causing that to be the case? And it can work both ways. Obviously, we could be saying it could be the woman that's lusting after the man. I'm yeah. just, um, and I think I think that's where I think that's where the North American easy believism, because even from our pulpits, we've we've lost the desire to be convicted as mm-hmm. a as a church, yep. right? So we've lost the the desire to come on Sunday morning and leave broken. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is like broken in terms of like my life was wrecked by the fact that you read from that passage today. I never thought about the fact that I struggle in that area, right? And I think I think we've lost that desire, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um whereas like most I would say not most, but there's a good number of evangelical churches today whose only goal is to is to have you come to church and leave entertained and somehow TED Talk motivated. Yeah, like a pep you rally. Know, maybe yeah, exa- exactly. Um and that's I think that's not what we should be after at all. So So I am very slowly because my mind works as such and because the Puritans have a way of making your mind work very slowly. But I'm reading Jeremiah Burroughs' uh, Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. And I made the mistake of actually buying the old English version, which I could not read at all. (laughs) So if anyone wants to read the book, make sure you get the actual, like, legible edition of it. Um, but in this one portion of one of his chapters, he was talking about like, how does a Christian get contentment? We can't just like sit down and muster up contentment. So if you are in the stage of life, perhaps where like you want to be married, right? We would both say that's a good thing. Like God said, get married, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Good goals. Like do that. Yeah, Absolutely. But 
in the meantime, like, that can't just happen tomorrow. So what do you do? Like, how do you get contentment in this stage of life that you're in? And he just said, what you should do is you, to be content, to become content, what you should do is wake up in the morning and ask God, what good work do you have that you prepared for me that I might walk in that good work today? And then be busy doing that work. That's how you mm. get contentment. I thought that yeah, is good. so helpful. You know, it's Absolutely. not just some like weird little pep rally, like, oh no, just be good for Jesus or don't look at girls like that. Think of them as your sister and like all those other weird things that we were told in youth group growing up. But it's like, no, you actually are called to do something as a Christian kid, as a 17 year old boy or whatever, like get busy doing that thing that God has made you to do. So what is it that God created you to do that's around you right now? What good work has he prepared for you to do? Get busy doing that. And I think that's one thing the church, and I think even the Reformed church, we're going to get everyone mad at us today, but even the Reformed church kind of doesn't talk much about are like the works that Christians could do. Because we believe that we're saved by faith alone, that our works do not save us, but that doesn't mean that God hasn't prepared good works for us to walk in. Yeah. Amen. I think that's that's tremendously insightful because there's a fundamental flaw in our thinking if we only think of the down the road circumstances the down the road things Mm -hmm. that are going to come when you're thinking of like oh well god has told me to get married have kids multiply the earth subdue it Mm -hmm. but i can't do that today you know what i mean like because i'm 16 years old and it's not even legal for me to be married right now (laughs) or why um exactly that doesn't mean exactly it doesn't mean that you're not useful at this age right and then on the flip side well, you've already had kids. I'm already married. Now it's not all of a sudden like my mission didn't start when those things were accomplished. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? My mission started the moment Jesus regenerated my heart. He gave me a purpose. I think it's good teaching. And I and I, I like that you even brought up the Reformed Church because I think we're really good at theology, not so much good at practicality. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say that again, there's, there are people who are. Uh, but I, I Yeah, because you and um, I are those people, right? <laughs> just just you and me. Yeah. Just you and me. We'll um, get Nate, Nate and Grant eventually. <laughs> they're too much scholar they're too smart for us. That's the problem. Like um they're just they're so <laughs> in their brains that I don't know. <laughs> uh, we just offended them now. Um I just I just think uh, I just think we 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 were saved for a purpose. And that purpose is not something down the road. That's that there's a purpose for your the reason you were saved, the way you were saved, the day you were saved, for the next day, for mm-hmm. that day. Um, God has a has a plan for you, and God has a a task for you to accomplish every single day. And that might be as simple like I uh, um, it can be as simple as just being obedient today. You don't have to do anything special. It's just wake up, be obedient. What does the Word of God tell me? How does the Word of God tell me to live today? Well, if you're going to your school, be a good student. Right. You know what I mean? If you're going, if you're working, be a good steward. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Be the best at whatever you're doing that day right to your ability because that's what god's called you to do you know what i mean and then down the road eventually maybe god will bring in a, right. a wife into your life and you can have kids it it awkwardly puts it in, into a perspective like what if you're called to be single yeah you know what i mean because paul like the apostle paul says there are some of you it's better if this is the case for mm-hmm. you you know what i mean um or you know, my circumstance, I can't have kids. Me and my wife, not it's not something that's ever going to happen for us. The doctors have told us that many times. If that is my only goal as a Christian was to mm-hmm. multiply, 
well, I can't fulfill that goal. And that's not anything I've done. That's mm-hmm. my uh, <laughs> biology is, I guess, the right word. Mm-hmm. But that would like that doesn't invalidate my walk on this in this right. in this world. I still have a job to do. I still have a mission that God has laid before us as a couple, as a as a family. And whatever that would look like might look different than what it looks like for somebody else. But God has a plan and a purpose for all of the circumstances that occur in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, I think it's Jeremiah Burroughs and what you said. It's it's poignant to think of the fact that we all have we all have a purpose to bring the world to heal for Christ, and that purpose is going to be different for each of us. Now, there are things that are are commanded. Like I think it would be in error for a Christian couple to just choose not to have kids. Right. Um, but like, that doesn't mean that that's like, you're not saved because you've had kids, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the same for a woman who says like, I, I don't want to be married right now. I just want to have my career. I'd be like, well, that's something that God's not called you to as well. Not that a woman can't ever have a career or a job, but there's an attitude yeah. and something in your heart that needs to be repented of. But yeah, it's essentially that false eschatology that the purity culture fed, force fed the kids that we're saying actually the opposite is true. Actually, you're created and set apart unto good works. And that's what's going to bring you that fulfillment and that contentment, not Amen. just waiting to have sex until you're married. Yeah, ex- ex- exactly. It, it it puts the I think I think we need to be very careful as Christians to ever put to put our joy into something that isn't Jesus. Right. And so if your joy is to become a mom, you've misplaced that joy. If your joy is to become and those are joyful things, don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. But if that is the goal of what you're doing, it's not to be in Christ. I think that that's where we we get into a dangerous situation where right. Um, you end up with somebody who becomes depressed when their kids get older. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, when the kids no longer, you're no longer their hero. Well, their their joy was tied to something that wasn't Jesus, right? right. So, um, I think I think it's very important to to put our joy in Jesus and in Christ, and then we can then we can properly enjoy all the things He blesses us with: mm-hmm. children, good jobs. Whereas the example you used about a career. Well, that's putting the joy and that's putting yourself before what God's commanded, right? So it's right. putting your joy in, I want to be successful. I want to be X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So um, I think that's a dangerous thing. I think that's a dangerous thing overall as Christians. Right. So, so how many people do you think we made angry? Today? Just this oh, episode. Um, Enough? Or should we keep talking? I've probably offended everybody by now, but... I'm fine to continue to offend, so that's fine. <laughs> we haven't talked about baptism yet, so we haven't offended everybody. <laughs> we might end up offending each other if we talked about baptism. <laughs> then we'd be all alone. <laughs> <laughs> the, the podcast just ends. <laughs> what a great way that would go out. <laughs> just end oh, the crossover so event with the two of us arguing about baptism. <laughs> Next, next week the podcast is just Grant and Nate. We're never back on either of them. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last appearance of Erica and Chris. The weaker oh, vessels, funny. the weaker vessels exploded. The <laughs> rebel, rebel Alliance media. Uh, that's funny. That's funny. Okay. Well, I would love, I would love to hear in the comments if anybody um, is still listening and they haven't been offended. If we managed to go the entire episode without saying anything that offended you. Please like and share this episode. 
I mean, if we didn't offend some people out there, that means there really are good people in this world. Far better than yes. what we even realized. All right, Chris. Well, thanks for being on this episode with me, and thanks for doing the My awkward pleasure. thing with me. This was super fun. <laughs> well, Erica, thank you very much for having me. Let me take over Grant's spot for a week. I very much appreciate it, because I've always wanted to be the person who gets to say this, which is, guys, get woke. Yeah. Let's start with the microphone check, one, two, first Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church The kind of things that few search, they say that the truth hurts Well this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth First things first, can't neglect this at the start I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart From original sin, the effects of the fall The sin of our first parents brought death to us all Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us In him were all rebels and dead, yo Captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a dark state, Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames, left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames, cause we're powerless to change, if you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily, as you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. Verse 1 is my thesis, it's the deepest Truth that should get you speechless What scripture teaches, will fill in the missing pieces Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees Wicked spite against Christ that turned this into naked night He called the rabbi and gave him props Said he was a teacher from God Jesus replied, made him stop Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again That must have consumed and stretched his mind Cause he said, can a man enter his mother's womb a second? Time? Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit No other way to enter heaven That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent The water symbolizes spiritual purification Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural It's kind of like the wind, which is free East to west can't receive the steps You can only see its effects In the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. For the spirit's mysterious operation uh -huh. We would all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1, yeah And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause, it changes our natural habitation The situation, it's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted So my dirt was inexcusable with new internal his person is beautiful, his worth is indisputable The lamb is amazing, a standing ovation for his work in the crucible So let us respond with true worship and love To the God who has given new birth from above